0: She is defiant. She is a rule breaker. She is a revolutionary because she is who she is. She's a punk
1: absolutely and i think there's i mean i think being a punk woman entrepreneur like that the values of that interbleed as well because i think the when you've been told in so many different aspects of your life that you know that your contribution isn't as meaningful as maybe other people's contributions you say fuck it fuck them fuck this i'm going to do this on my own i'm going to do it on my terms i'm going to do it the way that i want to do it and i'm going to do it because that's what i believe in and that's who i am as a person
0: Hannah McFall is a mother, a wife, a daughter, a sister, a friend, and one half of a company called An Outcome the Boobs, which I think that we can all agree is an amazing name. <laughs> you see, for Hannah, it's really important to list all of her other titles first because they make up so much of who she is. This is a woman who has such a thorough understanding of who she is that even the biggest life changes don't really seem to shake her. Now, Hannah didn't realize this, but she unknowingly answered some of the biggest questions that I've had surrounding motherhood, community, and family, and I didn't even get a chance to ask her these questions. She was just being her badass self, and the answers came naturally. I love this episode so much, so without further ado, I am your host, Siobhan Woodrow, and this is Hannah McFall.
1: Okay, my name's Hannah McFall, and I'm one of the two owners of An Outcome the Boobs, which is a company that upcycles band shirts for breastfeeding punk moms.
0: It was very succinct. I love it. <laughs> I feel like you've done this before.
1: I've done this, yeah, in my previous life, before before I was a mom, I used to work for non-profits, and I used to do a lot of their communication, so I would do some press and some media, and also i do some editing as well, so I know how hard it is to edit when people... Go on a seven-minute storytelling.
0: <laughs> 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 well, I value that. So thank you. I'm going to thank you in advance for how succinct I anticipate you will be. So let's get into it, man. How did, how did you get into punk rock? Let's start there.
1: Um, this isn't something that I usually share with people the first time that I talk with them, um, but I was born into it. My dad's the singer from Cox Barra. Get out of here. Yeah. And my little brother is TJ, who's the singer of the Barstool Preachers, if you've come across them.
0: Hey, uh, it's cool ability to do thorough research before an interview, Siobhan. Uh, (laughs) But, in my defense, you would seriously never know that Hannah's family is a big deal. If you check her out online, she doesn't even kind of hint at it. Which is, like, very low-key cool, if you think about it. You know, no one is paving her path. This is all her own hard work speaking for itself. We are,
1: um, by all means, a punk family. Um and yeah, I grew up with the Sparrow families as my cousins, as my playmates, as my kids, you know, all the band of my my uncles and I got my first beer from them and I got my <laughs> you know all kinds of terrible experiences I had underage because <laughs> they, they were my they were my family. They are my family. So yeah, so I mean I, I didn't like go to shows with my dad when I was a kid, but like when I was old enough to get served at the bar underage i was welcome to go to uh to go to shows and to then start traveling as i got a little bit older and uh had a had a saturday job that i could buy my own flights and stuff to berlin or to amsterdam or wherever to see to see them play so um some of my best friends uh um i met at sparrow gigs and yeah um and actually my husband <laughs> i met um at punk and disorderly in 2009 when uh, when sparrow were headlining that year I got to tell you, this is not how
0: I thought this interview was going to start. <laughs> that is very cool.
1: Some people know and are cool about it and some people don't mention it. And others people don't know. And then they go like, oh, shit. Okay. Uh, well, I know all the words to Riot Squad. you know, like, sort of like- <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm in the second camp
0: reaction. <laughs> just, I didn't know, dude. I know when, when you and I were messaging on Instagram, you said... Something very briefly about your dad, and uh, now I understand what you were talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were talking a little bit about sort of growing up in as a woman in various scenes, and I was talking about kind of like there's not huge amounts of um, women I know growing up in the street punk and oi scene in the UK you know, in East London. Yeah. So I think that's what we were talking about at the time. Yeah, yeah why I was in that scene is because I. Was, I, was
0: <laughs> I bloody well say so. You're born into it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean it is funny because um we have another sister grace who is like she's really close in age to me so we had kind of the same musical influences at the same times in our lives and this is who i am and part of my you know dna and my sinews and you know it's just not for her like she's just not in the scene she loves she loves punk but she's not she's not in the scene she doesn't go to shows she would never describe herself as punk you know but me and tom like the, the oldest and the youngest like this is us forever and ever you
0: know through and through you know that's really interesting because I, I you gotta think about you know when you're a younger and you want to rebel against your folks and you're not into what your parents are listening to and I mean I guess that was not the case with you
1: not really and this is something that I've thought about a lot of times like how do you rebel against the values of of punk rock when my understanding of them anyway is is that it's about kind of all weirdos under one umbrella you know um come and be whoever you need to be and let's share some commonalities of of values and and ideals and politics but like as a whole like you do you and I'll do me and we'll help each other out in the pit type thing you know so yeah yeah, it's definitely something that I've thought about I mean I was never gonna grow up and be like a young Republican and you know (laughs) I mean I I had purple hair at the age of nine so (laughs) I could yeah definitely kind of went down that route very early on um I mean I, I fell in love with the clash at a very young age and there was no turning back for me at that point um but I mean no of course growing up you clash with any authority figures I think and like but just because my parents are really cool now doesn't mean they were really cool when I was a teenager and I was sure. a proper brat as well so um you know sneaking out to go to shows and coming in o'clock <laughs> in the morning drunk and phoning dad and being like please come and pick me up I don't even." <laughs> Fiverr
0: for the bus. <laughs> so, did you get grounded when you were a kid? Like
1: all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a typical, it was a typical adolescent, you know, teenage relationship with parents. That you know, um, the stuff that I gave them pushback on was not about dyeing my hair or, or piercing my face. Although, my mum was not massively keen when I came home with my first face piercing. No. Um, but yeah just just it's not her not her thing um but yeah no I mean it was as only really kind of when I started when I grew up a little bit and started then enjoying my parents as people to enjoy their their company that we started kind of bonding again over music and and uh and enjoying hanging out a bit more really which is really
0: cool That is really cool. Actually, you know, I got to say, number one, you throw me for a real loop here because this is not how I (laughs) anticipated this interview going, but that's cool because I was talking to, I was with a bunch of my girlfriends on Friday night, and I was talking about how I was going to interview you today, and we were all talking about how it was so exciting because I've yet to have a mom on the show and how important that was and how curious we all were and how we have have so many questions and one of my girlfriends is pregnant right now and she was like, man, the amount of questions that I have for this lady and I was like, please, you know, let me know and I'm going to pass these questions on to her. So it's really interesting to think about the relationship that you had with your parents and how that's probably trickled down into your own parenting. But let's start with you first before we get to the kids, right? Let's do that. So let's think, like, when did you start kind of sewing and altering your clothes because that really is the bread and butter of your business.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so just, I mean, just to be very clear, like I'm only one half of OutCome the boobs and my business partner, April, she does pretty much all of the actual sewing itself. Sure. maker and so talented. Um, I kind of kind of take the other side of things. So I'm I'm in contact with all of our customers and I do like the social media and, and the actual kind of uh shipping out of stuff. And she does the creating and I do the selling is the quote. Oh, so
0: you're the business half.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um I think yeah, my background is working for nonprofits. I was the co director of a prison abolition women's rights organization out here in Oakland called Justice Now, uh before I became a mom. And so I kind of uh had a lot of experience in in communicating with people and getting people on board with stuff and kind of just this came along at the right time really um i've always altered my clothes going back to your question like my appearance and the way that i dress has always been an important part of how i express myself as as a human and and as a punk um and but i've always been on the plus size end of on, on, on end of stuff and it has always been really tricky to find you know the clothes that i would want to wear like i can't bust into a forever 21 or h&m and pick up some you know something whatever whatever, yeah i mean it's getting better but so from that sense i've always been like quite choosy about my clothes and from that point of view like always have um, made statements with them you know um if you've only got one thing that you can buy you know per month or whatever you better make it impactful um, and so when, yeah, when I did become a mum like the transition to wearing maternity clothes was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> bad. Um, it was just, I felt like a, like a big frump. I felt like I was like drowning in layers and fabric and, you know, things that clipped up here and squeaked over this way. And, um, you know, I just, it was just, it was horrible. Like the whole experience was rough. Um, And yeah, and then when, after I had my first kid, the the, the nursing clothes kind of were the same, same thing.
0: Yeah. Um, A lot of lame pastels, a lot of bad florals.
1: Just, and the designs, like none of them, none of them are super functional. Like I remember I got this like tank top and it had these cute buttons down the front. And I was like, oh that could, that, I could wear that under stuff. That'd look awesome. But it's kind of only came up to halfway up my boobs. Yeah, right felt like I was like constantly just putting my cleavage in everyone's face (laughs)
0: a (laughs) centimeter from a full nip slip
1: yeah exactly I mean you (laughs) have a problem with getting my getting my boobs out um but it's like on my terms um, in my choosing yeah because that's the only top I can buy in the shop yes yes (laughs) there was a big awakening a kind of rude awakening
0: right right okay so I mean obviously there's a a, I want (laughs) to say like a long-standing history of punk rock, I mean just folk, but certainly women, of always altering our clothes, right? Because you never wanna, you rarely buy a band shirt from the show and wear it as is, it probably doesn't fit probably, and for whatever reason, the men's band shirts are always a lot cooler than women's band shirts, which is still frustrating me all the way to 2019. I know because I'm a big fan of altering my clothes too, I taught myself how to sew at a very young age, doesn't mean that I'm good at it. But I do it, and so I can I can see why altering
1: maternity clothes would be such a valuable thing for a mom. Yeah, hugely so. I mean, I think that when your body is changing in such a quick rate as it does with like pregnancy, and then and then being a mom and, and breastfeeding for however long, you know, it's really easy to lose sight of who you are, and everything is in transition all at once. And it's probably one of the most like head spinning couple of months I think that I've ever I've ever gone through. And just wanting to retain a little bit of who you are inside at your very core, you know, and um, for me, that was kind of through, through the clothes that I would wear. And so, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have an April like to have my business partner on hand. And I, you know, she was the one who said, let me just, let me just do this for you. And she always made it sound so simple. Let me just throw this skirt together for you. Let me just, um, I'll put invisible zippers in a, in a band t-shirt, you know, be simple be really quick, you know, and it'll make you feel so much better. And it instantly did. Um, And I just thought, well, if that's how I feel, um, and this is like me wearing one T-shirt that fits me, that's got a band on that I love, that brings me happiness, um, then other people must feel like this too. Um, That's where we we kind of had our light bulb moment. We were like, oh, hello. Other, Other people might need access to someone who can do this too. Absolutely.
0: And I, I just think that you guys are really serving a section of women that are very deeply underserved, which are just like punk rock moms. Yeah,
1: underserved, undervalued, underrespected. <laughs> yeah. It, it does open up a whole new world in, and in a different way. You appreciate, I think, firstly, you appreciate your time in a different way. And so when you do get to go to shows, you want to have the best time possible. Like, there's no one having a pit resurgence on their own when no one else is in the pit than a mom who's on the first night out after having a baby <laughs> yes. and just had like maybe a cider and a half so, <laughs> but is suddenly like the most active person on the floor that's been me a bunch of oh times
0: oh my god so i have so many questions about this kind of stuff so i feel like let's roll back so you moved to america in what year 2011. 2011, and you met your husband on tour. Let's let's go into that story.
1: Uh, I met him um, at Punk and Disorderly in Berlin in 2009, and I was there with a bunch of friends, and Sparrow were headlining. So we were holed up in the hotel called the East Side Hotel, which is opposite the only last remaining bit standing of the Berlin Wall that's still up. And the hotel is wonderful because it's cheap. And the bar is open for twenty-four hours and they have the most like do you, you have said the word stodgiest? It's I think I find it's quite an English word, but the stodgiest breakfast. It's like sure. sausages and bacon, but it's none of it's none of it's good for you. It's all just <laughs> picking up alcohol food, you
0: know. Yes, yes. The so up food.
1: But, yeah. The the East Side Hotel holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts. And yeah, we were there in two thousand and nine. And me and my dad were leaving the hotel bar to go and get some food before the show that night. And these Americans walked in and they oh, Colin, so nice to see you. How have you been? My dad's like, oh, my goodness. So go back 10 years from there, um, Sparrow played the U.S. for the first time and TKO Records brought them out. And they played New York, Boston, San Francisco and L.A. And my husband at the time was in San Francisco to go to college and was an intern at TKO Records and begged to go on the tour. And he sold T-shirts and slept on floors. And um, if you watch the video of the show at CBGB's, he's the one with the red mohawk in the front row. Um, and so my dad hadn't seen him for that 10 years that had gone between it was the 2000 and 2009. Yeah. Um, and said, ah, it's so good to see you. How have you been? Catch up, catch up, catch up. But yeah, so uh, that night we got chatting and we were both in relationships at the time. Both went our separate ways. You, you know, met a cool person, met a cool person. That's nice. Let's go back to life. Sure. Um, and actually what my husband had been doing is setting up um, a company called Pirates Press and they make vinyl records. or Yes. The company. And then we also have the, the label um, on the side for fun, but serious fun. Um, and so uh Pirates Press was having its five-year anniversary party in San Francisco and they asked Sparrow if they would play and yeah my husband was like you have to come out like come visit San Francisco it would be great so I came and I fell in love with the Bay Area I fell out of love with my uh ex-partner and yes. my husband and I got together in London about six months later from that like after all the fires had died down from all the relationships ending and right. stuff and uh yeah, we were long distance for a year before I moved out to the Bay Area. And then when my visa ran out, we got married. We, yeah, we, if we had the same colour passports, we might not have got married when we did. But, you know, so be it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and now we've got two wonderful children and life is good. So
0: that is, I like that story a lot. Uh, I really do. <laughs> um,
1: I didn't, I mean, I, you know, growing up in London, you, you you never feel like a big fish anywhere. You know, you're, you're a small, small fish in a small pond, whatever shows you go to whatever scene you try and like be part of it's just too big and it's too spread out but when I came to the Bay Area I realized that I was seeing the same people at the same shows and it really did feel like more of a scene and more of a tighter-knit community um and knowing what people did during the day as well was something that I never knew (laughs) living in London and going to shows you know finding that all these rad people that I was hanging out with at shows at night were like teachers and carpenters and like super smart people doing all kinds of cool stuff and that was really nice to kind of feel like more of um there was more going on you know everybody was in a band everybody ran a label everybody had some experience of doing something which was new to me um so i mean i and out from the boobs is the first time i've kind of di- dove, dove 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 in dived in dove dove in yeah Past- <laughs> Dove into anything like that where I've kind of done it on done it myself and know, yeah, creating it myself. So I mean that definitely wouldn't have happened if I'd stayed in London, you know. You know, it's really bizarre
0: because so many of the women that I speak to are generally speaking very entrepreneurial and i always find that it's a connection to having a really diy spirit kind of early in life you know whether that's just you know being in a band or making your own clothes or whatever it is that diy ethic always translates into adulthood into becoming an entrepreneur in some way just like not wanting to have a fucking regular job
1: absolutely and i think there's i mean i think being a punk woman entrepreneur like that the values of that interbleed as well because I think that when you've been told in so many and socialized to be told in so many different aspects of your life that you know that your contribution isn't as meaningful as maybe other people's contributions you say fuck it fuck them fuck this I'm going to do this on my own I'm going to do it on my terms I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it and I'm going to do it because that's what I believe in and that's who I am as a person like yeah. I think there's something to be said for being able to be true to who you are and being true to your identity and yourself when you are going out on your own. And it, it's, for me, not something that I'd ever experienced before I did this, but there's a real pride in that. And I think that's a really, um, I think that comes from, you know, yeah, like I said, it comes from being in situations that, that don't give you the leg up. And so, you think yeah. my own path.
0: Exactly, if so, if no one's gonna provide for me, I'm gonna provide for myself. And I just, I love that, that spirit so, so much. And I think, so you do an outcome of the boobs full time now?
1: I mean as full time as you can get with two tiny humans that like to climb what that's not on you um uh, yeah', <laughs> yeah. But us, it's it's um a very passionate hobby, let's put it that way. We both kind of spend about ten hours a week or so doing out on the boobs because you know joe my son just turned one, my daughter's about to turn three in a couple of weeks uh Rip- yeah, April's daughter just turned two um so we've we've got teeny tiny humans and um and yeah so we kind of do what we can when we can like nap time is awesome we get so much done so us.
0: much shit done you know there's, so, there's something to be said about uh finding priority of time <laughs> when, when your time is very limited all of a sudden one hour is like very very useful and you can get a whole lot of shit done
1: absolutely yeah it's uh you do become you've got less time for bullshit as well when your time is so, so perfectly managed i think if someone wants to like stand there and shoot the shit with you you're like yeah this is great but I could have packed up five t-shirts and got them to the post office in this time. Like I, but I know, I mean, it's, it's really hard. I think when you've got demands on your time, like being a parent to prioritize things that you want to do and you feel passionate about, especially when the kids are so tiny. Um, I'm super lucky in the sense that I've got a really supportive partner who, who understands that I need to go off and do something with my brain. That's not just explaining plot lines on Peppa Pig for the 15th (laughs) time. You know, um, I need that adult interaction and I need that stimulus to to keep to keep my brain whirring in the same way you know it's a real transition going from working full-time to to being at home full-time and so I think if it hadn't been an outcome the boobs I would have had to have found another way to have some sort of creative outlet or some sort of cerebral outlet um actually before I got pregnant with my second kid I did start working on a book that might come to fruition one day but about sort of intergenerational punk values and how um the mainstream view of punk and families is wrong um that idea of like rebelling against your parents that we were talking about before like yeah um, you know my dad's a granddad he's got three grandkids you know um the first wave of punk and shock and awe and all that kind of like burn it out kind of stuff like shouldn't be grandparents yeah right should have finished should have finished ages ago we shouldn't be celebrating 40 and 50 year anniversaries of stuff like so um so yeah i started started putting together some ideas for a book around that and how actually the values that that underscore punk parenting can be actually understood as punk values from within the punk umbrella not necessarily to those outside but like you know diy and tolerance and um yeah saying fuck the system and questioning authority like I do think that those kind of stuff is intergenerational I think we teach our kids this these values you know we raise punk kids and uh yeah I think that that that's a really important part of like who we are as a community and we don't uh, yeah anyway I could talk about that now.
0: no no I I that's largely what I want to talk about and I really have so many questions and I don't know if it's just because of my age. Like, I'm 31, so I'm starting to, like, think about that stuff a lot more, and I have no idea how to juggle all of my hormones because I feel like, okay, yeah, I probably do want to have kids. This is likely in my future, but I don't know when, and I I just have so many questions about this, and I'm just so glad that I have the opportunity to talk to you about this kind of stuff. So I don't know if this is too personal, but did you make the decision to have a kid, or were you like, oh... I guess
1: I'm pregnant or, you know, what, what was the deal? Uh, we made a decision to have a kid. Um, we got pregnant very quickly. Um, it was quicker than we thought. And so everything kind of became very real very quickly. We were still living above the Pirates press office or so the warehouse. Um, we had no walls. Um, we had no, cu- we had no door in our bathroom. We had no heat. Wow. Um, so at that point we were like, oh, we should probably get a house. Um and- <laughs> That's when we moved from San Francisco to Oakland um, and Pirates Press moved from San Francisco to the spot we're in right now, which is um, the warehouse in Emeryville. And yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I mean, having, having heat, who knew? Um, what a luxury. <laughs> and the children need doors and stuff, you know, you need to, have to shut, shut them away in rooms. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it definitely made us, it got real very quickly. Um, and yeah, I say we're two kids in and probably done. And um, wish I'd had an out, like I wish I'd had the balls to do an outcome of the boobs on on my first kid, and I didn't. I you know I, I we kind of set it up in between my two kids, and so I, it's been really practical having like bre- being breastfeeding my second kid right now. Um, I'm just like, what should I wear today? Hmm. Oh, this shirt. We need photos of this shirt in action. I'll just put this street dog shirt on. pop it on and pop them out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah definitely um it, the mother it was the mother of necessity kind of thing like it you know the idea came from personal need um and definitely once we realized that it wasn't that complicated a procedure to like be customizing the shirts in the way that we do um then we thought that you know other people must be needing it too but actually quite a lot of my immediate network here in the bay area all their kids are, are grown or their kids are much older you know like i when I moved over here, I moved into a, a ready-made friendship group of some badass women who had been in, like, some of the original, like, the ska bands in, in the Bay Area in like, the mid-90s, and, yeah, you know, they just, they're just real women doing real stuff, living punk lives, raising punk kids, and so I was very lucky to be kind of adopted by them all, um, and... Yeah, I think they are living vicariously through my kids right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of dinosaur costumes. A lot of dinosaur <laughs> costumes. You know, from, from all their punk aunties. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you, you you have to be intentional about growing your community, I think. And I found a lot of people online in terms of a punk mum community. Um, I think we're spread out a little bit. Um, but it is really nice when you kind of lock eyes with someone across a swimming pool or a playground and you think, oh... You've got as many tattoos. Oh, hang on. What ta- That's a motorhead tattoo. Ooh, hold me down. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be friends. Let's do this. On. Um, no, I mean, it is nice. And like when we go to shows and you can tell it's a really special show when everybody's out, like most shows, a couple will decide who goes and who hangs back, you know, right. um, but when it's like when it's a big show and someone when someone awesome's playing, yeah, like, you can tell how special it is by how many people shelled out for a babysitter. Yeah.
0: That's so sick. And I, I really want to think about, like, when you first be when you first became a mom, it doesn't really seem like you ever struggled with maintaining your kind of self-identity and your identity in punk rock, or maybe did you? And I'm just picking not picking up what you're putting down.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm lucky to have family and friends that, like, knock any bullshit out of me. Um, and definitely um, my mom was here when I had my first baby, and so she was very good at kind of making sure I got up and got dressed in the morning. I think I would have wallowed a little bit more because I mean it was it it is such a huge transition and nothing can really prepare you for it until you're in the middle of it becoming a parent becoming a mum and having my mum here the first time around like definitely helped me maintain um, a connection to sort of my childhood and growing up and I'm the oldest of like all the cousins and oldest of all the sparrow kids so like I changed a lot of diapers when I was a kid I have lots of younger cousins and you know so having my mum here definitely reinforced those kind of like memories and sense of self um but i mean it's uh, we took rosie my oldest to the rebellion festival the big punk festival in the north of england when she no was, way yeah we took her when she was four months i don't know how smart a plan it was um we didn't take her into any of the rooms where music was playing apart from the acoustic stage um and she oh. obviously had ear defenders and everything on the whole time but seeing people who you know i i knew from the punk scene in london and in the uk and they're being like, oh, my God, I can't believe you brought your kid. This is amazing. And, like, really being excited about it was was really nice. But there was definitely a big part of me that was like, but I really want to run and go and see Jaya the Cat right now. And I really want to run and go and see this band playing on this stage. And, you know, I couldn't because I couldn't take her into any of the rooms with me. And, yeah. and so it's totally possible to maintain your punk life as a mum if you're a good planner, I think. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You have to... You can't go to shows on the spur of a moment. You have to, like, at least get a babysitter or work out which one of you is going to go to the show. Um, you can't, you know, it's not as easy to do festivals, but it's not impossible. Um, I think you just have to be, yeah, have to be a planner and you have to be smart about it.
0: Hannah spoke about wanting to maintain your identity when you become a mother, which, honestly, like... I would be lying if I said that I hadn't struggled with that idea myself. I don't know about you, but this is something that i thought of many, many times. And let's face it, you can buy a shirt for breastfeeding basically anywhere around the internet, but the likelihood of them representing who you are and how you dressed before you had your baby is pretty low. That's why I'm so glad that an outcome the boobs exists because there are so many of us. And you don't stop being who you are just because you became a parent. So I had to ask Hannah about the community of funk mothers that are around her.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's part of like exposing your kids to the culture and maintaining the culture for yourself. Because I yeah. do think that there's something to be said about taking a village to raise a kid and having a community input into, into raising kids and into teaching kids different things. And I think that's really important. And I think you have to put your kids in that situation for that to happen. So you have to be the one who's taking your kids to the to the punk rock flea markets and the record exchanges and the like there's there's a punk craft bazaar that we tabled at at last year and it was awesome there were so many kids there i didn't realize that there were that many punk parents raising that many punk kids around here but it's really nice but you have to be that person who turns up with kids and you you know the scene has to kind of make it okay
0: yeah i guess that makes sense it's like you know, we're always making our own community, anyways. Why wouldn't it translate into this set, this part of adulthood, where like we we're a lot of us are going to become parents? So let's not abandon each other and let's hang tight, like we would have anyways. When you were drinking forties in a parking lot, and now you're just, you know, bringing snacks along in the in the stroller or whatever.
1: Exactly, goldfish instead of gold schlager and you know, <laughs> my my son's one year old birthday party a couple of weeks ago, and um, you know, pre kids like. Pirate parties were kind of notorious to go all hours and, you know, we would, uh, <laughs> we would like, I don't know, cook like 500 corn dogs at 4am and like everybody from the club would come over and eat and drink and whatever. Anyway, for my son's first year birth- first birthday party, I was like, what should we get? Oh, I know. We don't have any Jack Daniels or Jamesons on the list. We should definitely do that. And uh, a couple of the pirates were like, what kind of party do you think you were throwing, Han? <laughs> <laughs> It was a first year birthday party, but I also remember other first year birthday parties we've had and you know, it's gotten messy. So I mean you um I think with the right environment as well and the right plan and the right support, you can still maintain that like fun side. Yeah. Salary, you know?
0: I, I guess that's, like, some of the questions. I know this is probably pretty naive, but, like, I don't have any family in this country. I'm the youngest. My sister doesn't have any kids, so I don't really have a frame of reference for being around a lot of kids, to be honest with you. And it's to me, I always just worry about, like, how do I maintain my identity? I guess that's one of my biggest fears because I've never gone through, that's not, never been my experience, so I just don't know that stuff. But you're making it sound um, a lot easier than, <laughs> it's, it sounds good, I like that.
1: Good, I hope so. I mean, it, it's, yeah. We live in the Bay Area, so there's more tattooed and pierced mums here than there are if we lived, lived somewhere that maybe wasn't so... Um, accepting of of sure, yeah. outward aesthetic. But we're still the only parents at my, ki- I mean, my kids' preschool who kind of look like us and dress like us and listen to our music. And so, you know, you do have those moments of like still feeling like, oh, I'm the weirdo with the kids, you know. And am I being judged because I'm covered in tattoos? Am I being judged because, you know, my septum's pierced and I'm turning up in last night's makeup? Maybe the last bit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's, it's part of that, fuck it, I don't care attitude. Like I, I you know, these, these people aren't necessarily going to be my lifetime friends. And so, you know, I don't really care what they think, but also it's the, no, actually, you know, like my culture is important. My um, punk you know family is important and I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm not going to hide from it. And I'm not going to not be who I am when I go to pick my kid up from school, you know, and actually I've had some really good conversations with other mums who have come up and said like, Oh, do you know what? I spent like teenage years listening to Buck O' Nine and you know, like I just, I haven't, I haven't revisited some of that music in ages, but I saw that shirt you were wearing the other day and it made me want to go back and get my CDs out. And I was like, cool. That's right. Yeah,
0: no, no. Do you ever think about that? Like I, I think some moms out there who are seeing you at pickup are thinking like, fuck. I wish I had just maintained. Or why did I bail on the things that I loved? I mean, to be honest with you, I think that some of us really naturally grow out of stuff, and that's totally fine. Like what your bag, for for whatever was your bag when you were a kid, is not necessarily your bag into your thirties and into your forties, right? And that's fine. But for some of us, it is. So I just wonder how you must be very inspirational to some women, or or very frustrating to look at because they're like, shit.
1: <laughs> I mean. To look at, to talk to, probably a combination of... of, of <laughs> <laughs> Do you, did you ever feel judgment from,
0: from other moms when you're going to grab your kids from school or anything?
1: Um, no, it's more in my own head. It's more anticipated judgment, and then sort of, sort of nothing comes to fruition. But I felt like that about breastfeeding in public as well. You know, I was fully expected to have a row with someone the first time I did it. You know, I was like breastfeeding Rosie, but I was also kind of like maintaining eyes on everyone who was walking right. By. Being like, come on then, come and fucking say something. You know, like, I'm protected by the law. I'm protected by the World Health Organization. I'm protected by nature. Like, fucking bring it. And no one ever did.
0: That Okay, so that was another question that I had, because I know that there's still a huge stigma around breastfeeding in public, something that, again, is not an experience that I've ever had, uh, but I understand that exists. And so you're saying that you've never actually personally ran into anything about
1: it. Do you know, and I think it's it might be the fact that I'm giving everyone daggers with my eyes, as in like... <laughs> That might play a part, but I mean, yeah. I know we mainly have, you know, have been bringing our kids up in the Bay area. And again, it is a little bit more of an accepting place I feel. Um, and so I haven't, I haven't run into anyone who's specifically said something I have heard, you know, from other folks that, you know, my experience is, is lucky in that sense, you know, and it is more common than I've experienced. The yeah. only one time I've felt been made to feel really uncomfortable is actually April got ma- April got married and, and mm-hmm. we went we went up to uh, their wedding and we went out for breakfast after the wedding and I was breastfeeding Rosie and I had a dress on as opposed to like anything that had was boob accessible so I yeah. had to like my husband to undo the buttons down the back so I could like slip a boob out and yeah. I remember at that point feeling really vulnerable and really exposed and like lots of lots of skin on show. And like breastfeeding at the same time, and there was a woman who like switched her chair to like so she couldn't see me, and like, kind of her back round like on the table, like a couple of tables down from us, she like shimmied round so I couldn't see. Me. And so that's been the the extent of it um, from my experience. But yeah, you do feel like weirdly vulnerable, and there is a power in seeing other people breastfeed in public and uh, like that being that being normalised in that way. Um, we take our kids to um this thing called rocking kids sing along uh once a week and it's run by this old punk woman here in berkeley and it's like it's a jo- it's a toddler jam session it's just pure chaos with like drums and, shakers. <laughs> and she's at the front trying to get everybody to sing you shook me all night long or something like it's all it's all rock and roll songs and stuff yeah yeah and um we had the littlest pirate came with us uh this time we just went and he's four weeks old and it was the first time his mom had breastfed in public but because i did it first and then our other friend did it first you know she felt more comfortable didn't make a thing of it didn't like make a production of it, just fed a baby and got on with it, you know? And that's the way that it has to be. And that's the way it should be. But it does take feeling comfortable and feeling confident and feeling like you're not going to be judged and you're not going to have to have have to defend yourself while you've got a boob out. Like it's a really a struggle, almost like the the power dynamic is really odd to feel that vulnerable and mama bearish over your your baby as well. But as a person to be vulnerable because you're... You know, you you you've got a boob out, or you, you know, you've got your shirt undone, or whatever, and have someone come up and be be you know aggressive about it. Um, so yeah, so I think the more that we can, you know, make it normal, the more that we can allow folks to feel like they can maintain that confidence in themselves whilst they're doing it. And that's kind of you know for me the underlying reason why our like ba- our shirts work so well is that you you can go out and rock your acdc shirt you can go out and wear you know whatever it is the musically that brings you comfort and joy um and that makes you feel like you know the badass punk that you were beforehand before you had a kid before you were in that specifically vulnerable situation um and also the designs the way that the zippers work you're not having to like half undress. half
0: undress. Take your whole shirt off. I know. But it looks so practical to me beyond anything else. Like they're really fucking cool, but it's very practical.
1: They really are. I mean, and I've, I've worn them in all kinds of circumstances. Now I was trying to make a list the other day. I've worn them in breastfeeding at the world series. I've been here <laughs> front row at a baseball game with my boobs out. Um, in one of our shirts. I pumped um, on a flight from San Francisco to Philadelphia earlier this year, and the people sitting either side of me didn't notice because the top of my shirt didn't move. I yeah. just it, I unzipped it, I put the pump on, I pumped, I poured it in a Coke can that I was drinking, I was drinking Jack and Coke, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> threw it away. <laughs> I, I, I went on an adventure with a friend of mine for 36 hours to the East Coast to see uh, the Boston Preachers play with the street dogs, and it was a surprise. Nobody knew we were coming, so we uh, we flew in, went to the show, and then flew home again. It was... Yay for friends and family who work for airlines.
0: Yeah, no kidding. That's a very good hookup to have. Holy shit. But I I really got to say, like, there's something... I know this is, like, a really practical thing, but it, it feels like it's just... It's such like an act of rebellion, and it's just like taking one for feminism in such a practical way. And I just love it so, so much because there's something about, I don't know, like to break down um, stigma, to normalize breastfeeding. It feels like a lot of exposure therapy for everybody else. You know, people just have to keep seeing it over and over and over again. And that really is like largely what the Instagram account of an outcome, the boobs. I mean, it's 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 fashion, but you know, it's protest almost all at the same time because it's showing your products and it's showing what the shirts are, so that's good from a marketing standpoint, obviously, that's, you know, what you're thinking about is the business end, but it's also, it, it is a form of protest because you're just constantly showing images of women breastfeeding and normalizing it and finding a way to merge those two things is just, good for you man <laughs> You're fucking knocking it out of the park
1: yeah we try and pull from, from a bunch of different inspirations and influences when it comes to our social media you know it's not just about our shirts but like it's recognizing that um, the more you can include breastfeeding in um, in TV shows and in art and in you know just the more we think about it the more normalized it does it is going to become and the more like fine it's going to be for folks to continue you know most countries um not america and not the uk but most breast both countries have higher breastfeeding rates than 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 our two do you know um some of the lowest breastfeeding rates in the world are to be found in the us and in the uk and i think that the if you go back to sort of like the 50s and 60s before the big formula companies got involved and and really pushed it um breastfeeding was much much more accessible it was much more accepted it was on sesame street for goodness sake you know like and now um you know i grew up in the 80s you know like most people a lot of people i know who are my age were all formula fed and not breastfed because you know it was at that point that breastfeed uh, formula companies started getting access to maternity wards and they would come on and give samples to new mums and they would you know um really kind of push their products in a way that have has really undermined you know the knowledge and the the passed on knowledge about breastfeeding and how to do it and um and that support is is um vital and i think that i think if you see it in a lot of other places where like women have held knowledge um particularly women of color um held knowledge about the body and held knowledge about care and held knowledge about sort of that intergenerational care that existed for so long and then you know capitalism and big corporations step in and you know that knowledge gets pushed aside or it gets um delegitimized in some way because you know yeah. forming is much better you know like you can measure how much you're giving your kid none of that is wrong and I'm not bagging on mums that, that that do go down that route but what but I think for us it's like it's free my breastfeeding is free it's the best thing for your kid you know it promotes so many health benefits for mum and baby um that it just, for me, that's the act of protest, really, is in trying to encourage more mums to breastfeed their babies for longer and having them feel more comfortable doing so. Um, and yeah. for me, yeah, that's the bottom line. Yeah.
0: And the fact, I mean, if nothing outside of the fact that it's free, <laughs> I, I really feel that way because someone's always trying to make a dollar off you. And listen, not every woman can breastfeed. I'm sure there's a lot of variables there and I 100% understand that, but if you can breastfeed, and it's free, and no one's making a dollar off you. Something's probably right there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then the other side of that, I think, and this is this is me getting in a little bit of a soapbox, so I hope this is okay. But by all um, means, the fact that maternity cover and maternity leave in America is so insub- insubstantial and so degrading and detrimental—like six weeks is the average that people take off after having a baby. Like six weeks isn't enough time to heal a cesarean scar. You know, like you're yeah. not allowed to walk up and down stairs for the first week of recovering, let alone, like, go back to work another, like, five weeks on from that. It's unreal to me. I still, like, I can't Im- imagine having to try and go back to the job I did before I had kids when my babies were six, week- six weeks old. Because, you know, your boobs are leaking and yeah. you know, maybe you're still recovering from actual sort of, like, birth in terms of, yeah, like, if you have a C-section or... You know, the actual tra- physical trauma, let alone the sleep deprivation and the new skills that you're learning, this new human that you're having to get to know and, you know, yeah. like, all of that. like it's just so inhumane to me. And I feel that that's like, that's another reason why breastfeeding doesn't continue in the same way because you're asking parents to go back to work as quickly as you do. And they're making it harder for people to pump when they're at work. So they can't maintain their supply. And so it's harder to keep their babies exclusively on breast milk when, um, when there's no place to pump and there's no safe place to store milk during the day. And you're not, you know, you're having your pumping breaks deducted from your lunch break. So you get like eight minutes, you know, whatever, like it used to take me 25 minutes to pump and I would have had to do that every really? three hours. Like, you know, every person's different. It's really, it's really um, restrictive for parents, I think, to have to go back to work as quickly as, as they do, you know, for, um, if we want breastfeeding to become more normalized and more accepting, we have to be fighting on that front as well. Absolutely, that makes so much sense.
0: You know, so many things that I just do not know about. My boobs don't do anything cool. <laughs> I
1: think boobs are cool as a, as a rule.
0: Wow. Yes, yeah, yeah, as like a standard boilerplate. Yeah, 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 boobs are cool. Mine just don't do anything right now. They just hang out on my chest like idiots. They don't do anything. But one day, they might. <laughs> so it's good for me
1: to know this. I think I'm i constantly being amazed by the human body, I think. and like, I think when you become a parent, like, you're like, whoa, oh, my body can do what? That's amazing. You know, I know. Constantly surprised by yourself. I know. Women are fucking magic,
0: man. The things that we do, oh my God. I really feel that way. So I, I think there's a lot of like things that you're talking about here that are super interesting to me, like like the practicalities, the practicalities of breastfeeding and how often you have to do it in a day, or depending on your workplace, I mean, like the literal setup of your workplace. Maybe you don't have a place to pump, even though they're supposed to provide you with a place to pump. It doesn't mean that they ever anticipated providing a place for a woman to pump, uh, maybe because they never had a tons of, a ton of chicks working there previous to this. I mean, these are not, infrastructure is just not always there and you don't always want to be the one to pillage that path, you know what I mean? And some women are, some women are very set up to, to fight those fights and to, to, to make that, that pathway, but not everyone is and I just, you don't wanna burden every single breastfeeding mom with having to make the choice to, 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 to forge that path. And I just think these are a lot of really, really interesting points and things that we just don't think about until your boobs are leaking and you're like, Oh my God, I never had to think about this previous to this.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, yeah, your first pregnancy can be different from your second pregnancy, from your third pregnancy, even if you, you know, you're a trailblazer and you, you know, you get stuff set up in your work and you're able to do it with your first kid second kid's entirely different experience. You know, your needs might change your you know recovery time might be different you know it's a hard fight to 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 take on you know um let alone the fact that you're exhausted all the time constantly I'm I'm, to I'm to understand like you're exhausted for like 18 years you know I'm three years in (laughs) I'm counting down I've got 15 years of feeling tired and then I can go back to like running the pit again yeah yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah I mean it's it's I think that the amount of really great comments we've had from people's partners And people's family members who are like, I recognise the hard work that she's doing, like my mum's doing, raising, like feeding my sister, or like my wife's doing, or that yeah, my girlfriend's doing, or whatever. Um, They recognise that and they want to do something to support it. So we sell like t-shirts without the zippers for like people that just love boobs and breastfeeding and things that they do. And the comments we've had from yeah, from people's family members have been fantastic. Um, There is, I think, a lot of. it is more understanding and more appreciation for breastfeeding out there than I thought there was anyway. um, It's nice to, to be exposed to people who are like, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. This is awesome.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, it really, it really is awesome. So, I mean... I guess, so how does punk rock influence your parenting style? I know we touched on that a little bit, but I mean, this kid is, your children are coming into like a multi-generational punk rock lifestyle. So, I mean, they probably are too young to understand who grandpa is, but they certainly know who mom is. So how does that affect your parenting style?
1: My kids definitely have, they're not phased by a lot, um, some of their you know closest aunties and uncles are the ones who are head to toe in tattoos and you know piercings and body modifications so when it comes to people's bodies they're they're not um, they're not phased by anything they're also not phased about meeting new people they don't tend to get um intimidated they enjoy going out there and meeting people from a variety of different backgrounds and communities and I think that's something that comes from our love of of people and and the world and that comes that for me comes from from my understanding of punk um for like my kid (laughs) my kid can name who the clash are like by name one each of them that is so cool and impressive to me (laughs) um and that's been quite a fun thing to kind of like try and guide her she really doesn't like blondie i don't know what it is i was trying to play her some blondie the other day and she was having none of it she'd much rather which i completely respect but you know she's, she's She's two. She likes the shouting.
0: Um, <laughs> Maybe she'll grow into Debbie Harry, you know, it's it's different for everyone.
1: <laughs> she'll find her at some point. I, you know, I, I hold true to that. <laughs> I think that for me, my closest relationships with anyone in the world have all come from the punk rock community. And I think that the acceptance and, and tolerance of who I am as a person, you know, I've found that, with people in the punk rock world and that's what I want to teach my kids you know is that you know there's there's a community and love to be found I'm gonna sound like a right hippie now but like there's a community (laughs) out there for all of us weirdos you know um and we can have each other's backs in a way that other people won't have our backs so we need to find each other and we need to support each other and at the same time if we can you know let off some steam and do some shouting and generally just have a really good time at the same time well then that's great too
0: yeah and do you think that you caught a lot of that um from your folks
1: yeah hugely so um especially the bit about having a good time um, <laughs> I, I bet no, cox are kind of notorious um party goers let's say um i mean i think they hold they hold records in a number of different countries for clearing out all the beer in the entire venue I mean, <laughs> America, is a party um Everybody knows all the words to everything. Everyone you see, three people that you haven't seen in. Oh my goodness, I haven't seen you in fifteen years. How you been? You know, it's like a family reunion in so many ways, and definitely that kind of camaraderie and that sense of community is something that I want my kids to experience. We're trying to we're trying to plan at the moment. Um, rebellion for this year, and who goes to see Granddad play, and how we explain it to the little one if he doesn't get to go when he's old enough to understand. Right. So, yeah, I mean, so my, my brother, you know, their their uncle is in the Barstool Preachers and they just did a West Coast um, swing out this way. And so we saw them a couple of times and they understand that Unc is in a band and they understand that, you know, um, that people go and see him and they love the music. But, yeah, it's, it's – they uh, – we're indoctrinating them I mean there's no two ways about it like, like
0: so what are you gonna do if they rebel and that's just not their bag like, what are you gonna do
1: do you know what I mean i a few years ago um a friend of ours took his daughter to a Taylor Swift concert and yeah. I said to her a better father than I am because I wouldn't do it and now <laughs> my kids are here I still feel the same way I still wouldn't take them to a Taylor Swift concert yeah like, that's what other people's parents are for <laughs> Not under my roof, kid. You can listen to anything you want unless it's manufactured and on a major label. Give, bring me something <laughs> with integrity, brass you know? or something—something like something where people actually play music. you <laughs> oh, you got people people telling stories and they've got something to say. I can accept it. Right. You know, I like take some country with some storytelling and some politics. You know. Absolutely. Right. But yeah. yeah. um no manufacturer's shit in this house, thank
0: you. <laughs> that's so funny how that works out, hey? That's, uh, that's just such a... You have a very interesting perspective on
1: parenting, and honestly,
0: I cannot even tell you how valuable that is to me. And, and, and I will report back to my girlfriends and just let them know that everything's going to be okay and way cooler than you're aware of. It's,
1: it's, not, it's not the end of things. It's just the next bit of things. And you have to you just have to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more flexible. You know, you've got to um, start looking for some matinee all ages shows to go to, you know, you have yeah. to start, you have to start looking at what musicians have made side, have made kids album side projects. Cause there's quite a few. Um, Jesse Wagner from the Agri-Lights, his is pretty good. Um, Mike Park, who runs Asian man records and was in Skanking Pickle. His is a particular favorite of ours. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a whole new world. I had no idea before I had kids, but it's all out there. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool mums doing cool stuff, and they're all good reminders that, you know, it's possible to, to have kids and have a family and still be a badass punk rock mum. And maybe we're those people that are striking that light for other folks out there. I hope so. You yeah, we, uh, know, we definitely have met some really cool parents since we started Knock on the Boobs, and we definitely have had some of the best conversations with people um, since we started, just like other m- punk mums who get it. You know, who yeah. just get you get what you're going through it's great, great. so what, what can what can we uh look forward to
0: for 2019 for an outcome of the boobs uh
1: so we just relaunched our custom shirt service um where we will work with you to make your dream breastfeeding shirt whether it's a super obscure band that no one else has ever heard of or it's um your college basketball team or whatever we, we can turn it into a breastfeeding shirt so we'll work with you to do that um, we have a number of collaborations for this year in the works with some cool artists and designers and uh, punk collectives across the country um, and so we'll be bringing out some kind of mini collections using their shirts um, as the year goes on we have a brand new collection that's about to launch next week in honor of it being um, International Women's Month. We've got a whole collection of shirts that are women and femme musicians and artists focused. So we've got oh, amazing. Some, some distillers and some the Donners and some Patty Smith and some Blondie and some uh some Audrey Lord and some Frida Carlo and like just you know, just some, some rad femme icons that we, we particularly love. And we may or may not also have some brand new uh, shirts that are coming out that are um, our ones that we're making ourselves um, based on kind of like a pin-up tattoo punk feeding, uh, punk breastfeeding mum. It's really exciting. As the kids get bigger and they get in more and more daycare and we have more hours, <laughs> you're going to see more stuff from us.
0: Is that how you anticipate, like, is that how you see yourself
1: expanding? yeah like this year we wanted to do uh we wanted to get some stuff in some actual st- actual stores so it's not just us kind of doing the selling um and then we've got like a plan for growing it a little bit next year and a little bit next year and then the year after that when the kids actually go to school we're going to be like yes we've got more time to do this so we've got yes. stuff, and that happens too Yeah,
0: I I mean, I feel like you answered this already um, probably several times over. But if you have any sort of definitive advice that you would give to, you know, a brand new punk rock mom, what would that be? A a woman who is trying to maintain identity and still wants to work and still wants to go to shows and is so passionate about being a mom, what would
1: that be? I think my ultimate advice always is kind of learn how learn to lean on your community learn to learn to build your tribe um, learn to ask for help when you need it I think that as a as a scene and as a community you know we are incredibly innovative peoples you know as punks we are um problem solvers I think a lot of the time I think we are caring and empathetic and I think that as a new parent all those are all qualities of things that you need in friends I think if you have a friend in your group who's a brand new mum. Like, the best thing you can do is is care for them. You know, go take them food, go walk their dog, go um, send them links to new records that they might not have seen because they don't have the time to, like, be scrolling through the same way that they used to. Um, if you're going to send links to documentaries, make sure they've got closed captions or subtitling on because <laughs> there's quite a time. When you're breastfeeding at 4 a.m. and you want to watch something on YouTube, you can't have the sound on because you're going to wake up the whole house. So, like... Yeah watch some cool documentaries it's got to be able to be read as well (laughs) Um, and obviously buy one of our shirts if the person is playing to breastfeed that goes yes (laughs) (laughs) of course but no I mean I think genuinely don't stop inviting people to stuff you know make sure they know about shows make sure they know what other stuff is going on and try and be an influence in their kids life you know if they want you to be um yeah lead on your community that's my That's That's very good
0: advice both to me as the support system to a currently pregnant friend and, and to her. So that's so, so valuable. So this is my last question, which I already know the answer to when I end every single interview like this, do you still feel like a punk?
1: There's not a minute of a day that I don't feel like one. Um, It's so ingrained in who I am and the way that I live my life and the way that my family lives their lives, both my family back in the UK and my family here in Oakland, both my blood family and my chosen family, let's say too. Um, I can't imagine at any point abandoning, you know, my, my love for the punk rock world and punk rock music. And, um, you know, my, my, I've got a massive Joe Strummer tattoo on this arm. So even if I do decide to um, walk away, there's no getting away from it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Look at that. We did another one. Thank you so, so much to Hannah McFall. And if you want... To follow her, uh, go to Instagram and follow and Outcome the Boobs, just like that Rancid record. Uh, and you can follow them there. It's an amazing Instagram account. Um, and you don't have to be a breastfeeding mother to buy one of their shirts. They have plenty of shirts and different designs for folks that just want to support other people with boobs. You appreciate boobs, then by all means they got a t-shirt for you. So, And if you need any other information about an Outcome the Boobs or Hannah, everything's going to be linked in the show notes for you. So you can go check that out. So, thank you so much for listening. And you know the deal by now. Uh, share the podcast, tell a friend about it, rate and review it. You can follow us on Instagram at, at she's a Punk Podcast. But most importantly, if you are an amazing woman, if you know an incredible woman, if you are just simply adjacent to an incredible woman, go to she's a and and send me an email because how awesome am I going to know that you exist? You need to hook me up, man. We really do. We're trying to build a community, and I cannot do that without you. So once again, I am Siobhan Woodrow. Thank you so much, and trust your gut.